Hello, welcome to the Loney Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Loney, and in this episode, we have a guest. She is from St. Louis, Illinois. She is a certified transpersonal hypnotherapist. She has focused her business on helping her clients get more in tune with their own intuition, learning how to listen to their heart, their guts, their head, and step into the world of wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Tracy Hemingway. Thank you. That was an awesome introduction. Thank you. So, how's life? Life is fantastic. I have a really great life. How's your life? Oh, my life is going great. Uh, just uh, doing the usuals, uh, recording other episodes, uh, getting ready for drama school, and uh, I've been working on a brand new business for a new app. But yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. What kind of drama do you like to do? What kind of acting? Or are you behind the scenes? I'm, I'm doing theater as well as doing television acting. Wonderful. What have you done before? Well, I have been in a couple of productions in college and at this independent extracurricular third school just within the south of Greater Manchester. And uh, yeah, I've, I've pretty much grown for the last five, six years. That's fantastic. Have you always wanted to be on the stage or be an actor? Yeah, I've always also I've always wanted to be on stage, but I've also later on throughout my career I've also wanted to do television work as well because that's the way forward in this in this world. It certainly is. Although this stage, there's something so intimate about not only being with your your the co-actors in your play, but being with the audience as well. That intimacy, you can't get away from that. Yeah, so true. So, so Sorry, go I, was, I was just going to say, so I love that you're following your passion. And yeah. that's what I work on when I get people in touch with their intuition and their inner wisdom. So many people forgot what they wanted to do when they were young. Mm -hmm. And they have this hole inside them and they're saying, I don't know what to do next because everything I'm doing isn't necessarily working. And so what I have to do with them is we work within hypnosis about getting people in touch with those things that made them excited about life because they're so busy doing all the stuff they should. They forget to be excited, have passion, find their dreams, create big, beautiful, amazing moments. And they forget all of that because they're so busy doing all the stuff they should do. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's intriguing. Now, in terms of your job, what else do you do? Like, do you go, do you talk with people in person or do you like go to work at a hospital or something or clinic? Where, where else do you work? So I work clinically with a um, company called Plasticity Brain Centers. There's one in Orlando, Florida, one in Denver, Colorado, and one in Atlanta, Georgia. And yet I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, so I'm not near any of them. They deal with people who have had traumatic brain injuries, whether they've had concussions or they've been in car accidents, or perhaps they just are having brain fog and difficulty concentrating. We I deal with people with post-concussion syndrome and PTSD from their injuries. 
So I work in conjunction with these doctors at these three clinics all over the United States. And it's a remarkable process because while they're working with the brain, I'm working with the mind. And when we bring those two together, the outcomes are just amplified. It's remarkable what happens. Okay, okay. Uh, while you're doing your job, uh, were there any severe, any severe cases that you've that that left you completely shocked? You know what? All the time, I am amazed at people who receive a bump on the head and get a concussion. And I would say about ninety-five percent. If you know, if you've ever bumped your head, anyone who's had a concussion, they go to the doctors and they basically treat concussion the same way now that they have for a hundred years. Put some ice on your head, relax, take it easy, be careful, don't, don't, if you get nauseous, don't sleep too much, but go ahead and relax. And things haven't changed much. However, we're getting more and more concussions. And about 5% of people just don't recover as well. And especially with athletes, I've dealt with professional athletes, I've dealt with college athletes, high school athletes, even adolescent athletes who have had multiple concussions. Uh, a young man that was a hockey player said, well, I'm, I'm on concussion number six and I can't understand why I'm not getting better. And I said, well, what did they tell you after concussion number three? And it was stop playing hockey. And then again, after concussion number four and after concussion number five. And when I talked to him about you're on concussion number six, what are you going to do if you get better or feel better? And he said, I'm going to go play hockey. And I thought, and you wonder why your mind is not allowing you to get better. Because your mind has said, no, no more of this. And yet people aren't even aware that their brain, their mind, their body, their heart, they're all interconnected and they are all communicating with each other. But we think the conscious thought memory, that thing that we consider us, is the thing that gets to be in charge of it all and just say, all right, body, you're getting better. But all of those other things sometimes have a mind of their own. Because those, those cells throughout your body are all communicating. And sometimes when the ego gets in the way and says, nope, I'm not going to give it up, your, your mind and body have a, a thought of their own about that. Okay, okay. And uh, did you have to like move place to place to do this job or did you stay in one place? So when I started with the brain injury clinic, I was living in Orlando, Florida, and I would go there and visit. And I would be at the office all day long and see them in, in that space. However, then my husband was transferred to St. Louis, Missouri, which is about 1,500 miles away, over 1,000 miles away. And so in the beginning, I said, you know, I, I, I can't stay. Here's, here's, here's a few recommendations. Here's some people I recommend. And about a month later, they reached back out to me and said, can we try and do this by Zoom? And I said, absolutely, we'll try and do this. And so it's been amazing because people come to plasticity from all over the world. It's a globally known medical company. And people come from all over the world. But now I am able to perform hypnotherapy on these patients when they are in 
Vienna or in the Bahamas or in Alaska or in New York City, I'm able to see them on Zoom all over the place. And so wherever they refer me from, I'm able to see them in their own home and perform the hypnosis via Zoom. And we have had really remarkable success with it. Okay, great, great. Now, in regards to how you treat your patients, what exactly do you do to like combat uh, the hypnotics or theoretical side, if I might say? So I actually have a protocol that is mine uh, that we developed alone with Plasticity and I, we developed this protocol. And believe it or not, and most people think this is crazy, but the first session is three hours long. And I know that seems extraordinary, but so many of these people have seen a dozen doctors and had a dozen different diagnostics tests done and, and they've been given multiple diagnosis and multiple treatment and they are so confused. And so we talk for a good hour and a half about everything that's going on outside of them, all of their doctors and their families and their jobs and their finances and so many of these things that are affected by their brain injury. And so I see them and we talk about all of that for about the first hour and a half. And then we slowly transition into who they are, who they are as a person without all of these extenuating circumstances around them. And then we move down into the roots. It's kind of like a tree where the branches are all those things that we're trying to keep up in the air that are outside of us. The trunk of the tree is us. If we are strong, if we are healthy, if we are energetic, we can keep all those branches up. But the roots of those trees, the root of us is every single thing that's happened to you up until this moment in time is who you are. And so in that three hour session, we get all the way down to the roots so that the next two sessions, which are each about two hours long, we work in the roots. We really want to get down where they are and where they're coming from because too many people go to therapy sessions and they spend all their time in the branches. They spend all their time talking about all the things outside of themselves that are stressing them out and making them overwhelmed. And by really sitting, listening, letting the whole story come out, we are able to go down into the roots and treat people from there. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 So, but what I what I reached out to talk to you about is that is my job, but my passion is I really am truly working with others about getting in touch with their higher self. I got into hypnotherapy. I've been a hypnotherapist for seven years and I've only worked with the doctor's office for three. So I got into it for the other side of hypnotherapy, which is that side about talking to your subconscious mind and helping your mind find your passion, your drive, your creativity, your love of life and that's what's so amazing is that I get to do the medical, physical stuff, but I also get to do the stuff that is what makes you 
that inner you, that part of you that is just uniquely you, I get to work with that part of you as well. Great. Now, in terms of education, where did you study to, to learn about transpersonal hypnotherapy? So actually in the States, and, and I could, this information could be incorrect. I know when I went to school seven years ago, there was only three state licensed schools of hypnosis in the States, one in Florida, one in New Mexico, one in California. And I went to the one in Florida and I went for a year long session. It was 500 hours of study. And I am absolutely amazed that when I'll talk to people who consider themselves a hypnotist or a hypnotherapist, and I'll say, where did you go to school? And they'll tell me, oh, I went for this three-day weekend, or I took a one-month class online. And God bless them. We're all out there doing the best that we can, but it's very difficult because I went for a year so that I could study all the different levels of hypnosis because in a hundred level, hundred hour level, I could be seeing people for stopping smoking and losing weight. That's only in that basic hundred hour level. And then I went all the way for 500 hours, which sets me apart to see all of the different levels of hypnosis. So that's my education. But even prior to that, I was involved in counseling and everything before that as well. Great. Fabulous. Um, and throughout your whole life, have you done anything else? So a long time ago, I actually graduated from the seminary. And I have spent 30 years studying world religions. That's kind of my hobby. I know that's kind of an odd hobby. So during COVID, during 2020, my the doctor's office that I was working for was not considered essential here in the states, and it's it's considered holistic or, or you know you can choose to go there. So it wasn't considered essential. So they actually had to close during COVID. So during COVID, I actually went to hospital and I enrolled in hospital chaplaincy school, and I spent all of 2020 in the hospitals working with people. And it was great because I was able to use my therapy background and counseling background, but I was also able to use my religious studies. Now, the funny thing is, is I was the only one school that doesn't have a religion. <laughs> I was considered what they say, multi-denominational. So anybody who considered themselves an atheist or Wiccan or spiritual but not religious or any of those, they were referred to me. And I was able to go in and talk to everyone without having to worry that any sort of religion was getting between me and them. And just be there as an extra form of support. And it was a true blessing to be able to be there during COVID. And there was, I saw a lot of things and it was sad but i'm very grateful i was able to serve in the way i was for that year excellent was hypnotherapy always been your dream job or have you dreamt of doing other jobs in the past well i believe it or not as a child i wanted to be an actor as well 
So I, but I do think it's funny because in my chair, in my hypnotherapy chair, there are scripts, but there is a lot of ad-libbing because you never know where a hypnotherapy session is going to head. So I, I loved the theater as well. I come from a theater family and I wanted to do that, but I actually wanted to do the set design and the lighting. I was uh, blessed with the rotten voice. Everyone else in my family was able to have this beautiful voice and sing and dance. And that wasn't me. So I wanted to be on the backside of theater. So I was raised with that. But honestly, what I do now where I speak to groups, I've, I also guide meditation. I've taught meditation for three years. And so all of that theater background that I was given as a child and given as an adolescent, I utilize it every day in what I do now. It just makes me far more comfortable to ad lib, to be there for people and to have that intimate relationship as presenter and audience. Okay, great, great. Now, where do you see yourself 20 years from now? Well, I know you can't see me, but I'm I'm pretty old. So I hope I'm sitting on a beach somewhere and retired. But um, the one beautiful thing about hypnotherapy is there are hypnotherapists out there that are 90 years old and still working. So in 20 years, I hope to see myself with a margarita on a beach somewhere, but I will never stop helping. It is my calling to help people to help people become the best that they can be. I truly believe that each and every one of us was built cell by cell from scratch by the universe to come in this world and be extraordinary. But what makes you extraordinary is not what makes me extraordinary. And we were all meant to come down and serve in the way that we are meant to serve. So I I hope I'm serving still 20 years from now. All right, cool, cool. Now you said you, had hockey players that were patients at the clinic. Were there any notable famous hockey players that everyone in general might recognize? Oh, patient-client privilege. I can't say that. But uh, I I saw a lot of college hockey players. I did only see one pro hockey player, but I cannot say who it is. But I did see a semi-pro and number of college hockey players, yes. Okay, cool, cool. The one thing I would like to communicate to you is the the motto of my practice is I want for you what you want for you. No one okay. ever never one ever comes to see me and I say I think you should be doing this because I don't I don't want that. I want for you what you want. And then the next question is do you want more? So I can tell you are a person who wants more. You're still going to school, doing that next step. And I love that. And I love that you're doing that because you clearly are a person that wants more out of your life. Great, great. Now, what what was your life like growing up? Oh, sometimes I feel guilty because I feel like I had such an amazing life. Uh, I'm actually the oldest of seven children. And uh, I have parents and step-parents and godparents and parents-in-law that I've learned so much from. I'm still very close to all my brothers and sisters, even though we live all over the States. At one point, 
we lived in seven different states in the states. So we're condensing a little bit more now. I think we're in about three or four different states now. But I had a great childhood. And I think that that helps me be more in touch because I've always been the one that everyone in my family comes to with questions, with problems. I've been the therapist counselor for as long as I can even remember. So I was also one of those kids that got a job early. Uh, I was babysitting by the time I was 10. I was helping nanny kids in the neighborhood all summer long by the time I was 12. And by the time I was 14, I had a real job where I went and had to clock in and, and do a real job. So I'm one of those that has never been afraid of hard work. And I'm very grateful. I still have my, all my parents are still living and with me and I'm just very blessed. So what, what was your life like when you were a kid? Well, I must say my life has been kind of interesting. Well, so, about it. All right. So basically I grew up in a um, middle, upper middle class neighborhood uh, my dad was predominantly Celtic, so half Scottish, half Irish, and my mum is predominantly Brazilian. So every summer, I would go down to Brazil to visit my maternal family that lives in Guayana, which is at the very center of Brazil. Uh-huh. Uh, when I, my life growing up, uh, there, there were parts that were very nice, but there were kind of rough, rough patches as well. Uh, I didn't always get along with my parents growing up, but I mean now it's it's perfectly great now. But back then, uh, it there were rooms for improvement. And uh, at one point, I wanted to live with someone else because it it was just unbearable how I lived, how the conditions that I was bearing with my parents. So basically. I asked one of my mates from primary school if I could live with his older brother in Merseyside. He said yes. Now, my parents didn't know about this, but again, why, why would they bother? So I uh, packed the things and uh, went on down to my mate's brother's place in Merseyside. Left there for two years, and I thought, uh, maybe I want to go back home. So after two years living with my legal guardian, I went back home to my parents. Again, uh, still rough patches, rough patches, but again, still things were still improving. Uh, in terms of primary school, high school, and college, and so on, uh, I was I was quite popular. I, I can't imagine what it was like for people who didn't have many friends or just didn't socialize with many people. But school life was pretty amazing for me. However, there were times that. There were some people that would just be like, what, why is this lad a big freaking deal? Why, why is he so poppy? Why is he getting the attention? Uh, pe- some, there were some people that just hate me just out of jealousy. Or the fact they just didn't like me with how I act. Even though I'm confident, I may be too confident. To the point that people might be frightened or feared for their lives if I actually go near them. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've, I've always been very cautious with that. So when I go out in public, if someone gets, if anyone says at me, I just look away because I am not in the mood for awkward stares. And I think 
in Manchester in general, if you look at someone for too long, they'll be like, what, what, what are you looking at? Uh, so yeah, that's the mindset I had growing up because even though I did have loads of friends and I was very confident with, with who I was as a person, I'm also cautious about those some people that just don't understand what I'm like, who I am, or how I act. So I've always kept a level-minded, always kept a level mind about who I was talking to, how, who I was interacting with, and who I was walking past, just to be on the safe side. And yeah, that's pretty much my whole life. Wow, that's interesting because what you just described to me, believe it or not, is how so many females feel. Because really? oh yeah, because we always have to be leery of who we're giving the wrong impression to, who a gentleman for too long, they think you're interested and it had nothing to do with that. Uh, and as a female, and not an attractive female, uh, I have to be very careful of standing too close to someone or looking at them for too long or honest to goodness, even just walking down the street while smiling and they think you're smiling at them and you have to really put those boundaries up. It's, it's almost like you can't even show your own emotions because too many men think that you are coming on to them. So what you actually just described is how about 90% of women feel that we cannot always just be ourselves out there because too many men think that we are coming on to them or attracted to them just because we're smiling and, and out in the world. I actually had no idea. I'm, I'm actually blown away that I can relate to a lot of women. You, that's, you are. You that, are that's mad. <laughs> you are spot on, my my man. <laughs> yeah. Now, you you said you moved from state to state. Which which state that you lived in did you think you felt the most happy and you generally liked? Oh, I I liked most of them. I really did not like Illinois. That's not my. I hated living there, but. Um, I lived in Utah for a long time. I lived in Florida for a long time. One of my favorites was North Carolina. I loved North Carolina. I lived in Wyoming, and that's a place I still love to go visit. So vast and fantastically beautiful out there by Yellowstone and Jackson and all the mountains. So I've been very blessed that I lived right outside of New York City. I lived in Orlando. I lived in Salt Lake City. And now I live in St. Louis. So I, I really like big cities. Uh, I think the place I was most unhappy was because it was relatively small in my eyes. It was still about 200,000 people. But when you're accustomed to three, four, five million people, it, it's, it seems relatively small. Okay, okay. Now, at the same time as working a job, do you feel like you want to move to another place from where you are right now for any particular reason? I know I will be moving probably within the next year or so. That's why it's really important that I just establish what I do on, on Zoom. Because as much as I love the face-to-face -face when I go and I teach and when I speak to people, really, I know I'm going to be moving. My husband has the type of job that we move about every three to four years. 
So and we're coming up on our three-year mark of being here. April 1 will be three years. So I really know that within the next year, I will be moving somewhere else again. Okay. Okay. It, that got me thinking about the time I moved to the house I'm currently living in. Uh, I moved to the house that I lived in on May 25th, 2012. And I remember this day very well because this was on a Friday when I was coming back from school. And then the following Monday, I went off to a farm for a residential trip for the end of the year. And yeah, uh, it's, been, it's nearly been 10 years now in 2022. So the 10-year anniversary of or house a 10-year house anniversary would be May 25th, 2022. And uh, when you told me that, it just got me thinking about when I moved to this house. It's, it's so long. It's how time flies. So are you ready to move on? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Sometimes you just need to think about it and put it out there to the universe, and you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. And that's all the time we have for this episode. It was great having you, Tracy. Loved hearing about hypnotherapy. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And until next time, stay tuned for more.